Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Well, coming to you live. It's been a few weeks, I think, Kerry, or a couple weeks. It's the yeah. Believe in the Southside Boys. You can find me. I'm Steve-O. You can find me on Twitter, at DrunkShySoxFan. Um, joining me, as always, my co-host. What's going on, everybody? It has been a few weeks, Steve. That's why I'm glad we're back here. Uh, it's your boy, Kerry. You can find me on Twitter at ThatBaseballFan. And uh, very, very excited for uh, who we got on the show this week, man. Oh, yes. Oh, Great. yes. I, I I can't even give an introduction. I I would mess it up so badly. It's the one. It's the only. It's CHGO's Chicago White Sox podcast co-host, Herb Lawrence. Herb, welcome to the Believe in the South Side. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thank you, Steve. Oh, thank you, Carrie. It's an enjoyable time with you guys. I always love talking to you guys at the ballpark whenever I get to see you. Been uh, now to have you on my uh, have me on your show. So, and that's an honor. I appreciate it. Hell yeah. I mean, we've both been on CHGO, so this is the least we could do. I know we were trying to coordinate getting Sean on as well, and hopefully we can do that someday, you know, you know, just him or all four of us together. Uh, but, you know, we had to pay you back in some way, and, and, and you're doing us a favor more than, you know, anything by coming on to the show. And we were both honored guests on CHGO. I got to do it with Sean. Carrie got to do it with you. Um, yeah. So we're we're stoked to have you on. Carrie, I, I've, I'm already talking too much. No, you're good. I mean, I feel the same way. I mean, I was that show we did together, Herb, was just fucking awesome. And it was mm -hmm. such a great time. And, you know, getting to, you know, meet some of the people over there. Great time. So I mean, I'm really excited we get to, uh, you know, get on the mic, have you on our show and, you know, probably say some really good things about our front office and, you know, <laughs> and go from there. So you know, I, I'm I'm very grateful that you're uh, you know here with us, Herb. Thank you for the kind words, guys. It's uh, an honor to be here, and I'm ready to talk. You know, I'll, if anybody ever asks me about talking about the White Sox, I'm in. I'm always in, especially with you two guys, because I know we're gonna be real about it. Hell oh, yeah, yeah, baby! And and let's let's do it. Um, even though it may not be that exciting to talk about the White Sox right now, I'm glad that you're willing to join us, Herb, and do it. Uh, because I know for us, sometimes on a week to week, it's a week to week basis. It's a struggle. It's like, God, we got to go fucking talk about this team again. Um, so it's just really nice to have somebody else on. And I love Carrie dearly, but getting a fresh perspective is going to be great. Um, first I gotta, can I unofficially pay a bill that, that we don't have, uh, this episode is brought to you by goose Island beer. Um, I know that's the official beer of the CHGO podcast, um, mm -hmm. not the 108 podcast. Um, so I just wanted to throw that out there really quick, Herb. I'm drinking some nice, delicious uh, Goose Island today in honor of you. I appreciate that. And then No Plans is, is delicious. It goes down nice and smooth. God. Of course, the, the landmark, the, uh, the the flagship 312, all, awesome, always awesome. And we went to their uh, – with their Fulton Market, um, or not Fulton Market, but the Fulton Avenue um, uh, brew house and tap room. Great beers there in the tap room, even different ones. They had a CHGO beer there. So uh, go ahead and check it out. Either There's the a CHGO one. beer in the at, tap room? At the tap room, yeah. When we went there, it was uh, it was delicious. I forgot what type of uh, beer it was, but it, it worked. 
it worked uh, perfectly for what we are doing here at CHGO. So yeah, uh, that's the one on Fulton. Then they have the the older one that's in the Goose Island area, I believe, uh, up there, uh, like Lincoln Park area. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. So had to give the the Goose Island plug, her. Appreciate you know, it. I uh, absolutely. Um, you know, you you just did like a perfect like ad read, by the way, like you would on, on on your own show. I so, wish that's that's my kryptonite, but yeah, no, I appreciate you, that. you do a great job, Herb. Um, and, and I'm not just here to to blow smoke up your ass. I really mean it. Um, can you can you tell me about? I know this is kind of an off topic question, but it's mm-hmm. and it's a non White Sox related question. Tell me about what got you interested in doing radio and doing podcasts. Um, literally, coach. Uh, his name was Richard Swanson used to listen to the score when he would drive me and back from games or uh, from practice to and for, because my mom had to work or my dad, my stepfather had to work. So he would actually pick me up and then take me back to practice. And he'd be listening to, um, was what, 820, the score back when it started. So I was like, wow, we get to talk about sports all day long, get paid. That's my shit. So I was like, how old was I? Probably... 12, 13, 14, something around there when I heard the score for the first time, like in 93. I know it started in 92, but I didn't start here until 93. I was like, that's a thing I want to do. And luckily, Jesse Rogers, who is now the Cubs, let's see, the Cubs beat reporter or ESPN's baseball reporter. Yeah. And so he was the sports director slash like program director at the score at the time, like when I was graduating from Illinois Media School in 2000 and I was looking for an internship and he gave me um, an actual part-time job because I didn't have enough hours left. Like I was only had like, let's see, two more months of school left. And so their internship program was three months at the time, unpaid of course, but he was like, I pay you as a part-time producer. I forgot. It was like $65 a shift to do Illinois football and Illinois basketball board hopping. So that's my first job. Okay. Is that how you became an Illini fan? Because I know you you are not a graduate yeah, of the I University remember. of Illinois. No, it's a different, terrible story. Same year that happened with the White Sox, as I always tell me. Um, I'm going to find that 12, 11-year-old boy and beat his ass for making me a White Sox and Illini fan. <laughs> and I pretty much was a you know free agent. I, my parents didn't like baseball. They liked basketball. So we're Bulls fans. But we didn't have a rooting interest in baseball. So... I get the choice. I got to make my choice of should I go to the Cubs or the White Sox? I had never been to a White Sox game until like 95 is my first White Sox game. But I chose in 90, but I couldn't afford the new stadium prices at the time. So I didn't go until after the strike, but chose the White Sox because the new uniforms, you know, hip hop was really into White Sox SOX uh, hat. So I was like, Mm -hmm. you know, if it's cool and it's also kind of counterculture because everybody in Chicago's a Cub fan or where I was at in Wheaton, they're Cub fans for the most part, a few Sox fans in there. So I was like, let me go to the other side. Let me go to the team that is up and coming, looks nice, and it's on the south side. So I chose oh, White yeah. Sox, and the Illini were kind of popping at that time in 90 after the Final Four the year before. And so I went with the Illini instead of like Notre Dame or Northwestern or anything like that. Yeah, Thank God it wasn't Notre Dame. 
<laughs> it's Patrick Nolan's team. I can't take that away from him. Oh no, that's right. That's right. Also Steve's team, so I have uh, for football. Team. For football. Uh, oh, anyway, unfortunately, or, there's Herb, there's a long your... useless story behind that. So Herb, so you liked the Illini in '90. So was that pretty much Kendall the Kendall Gill era for Illini, or was that a little bit before then? It, or it was like, let's see, the '90. I started. It was probably '90 '91 season. So. I think Deion Thomas, oh, okay, um, Andy Kaufman, um, T.J. Wheeler, those kind of people. And then, then subsequently, Keewan Garris and other people. Yeah, it's that 2005 team that hooked me, and my whole family went there. So, D. Brown, Luther Head, Roger Paul, James Augustine. Oh, That's how I became like a Illini fan. But then when I went to yeah. SIU, I unfortunately just kind of have to be a fan of them, and they don't do shit. So. They had a nice run. I don't know if you were a fan while they were having a good run with uh, Bruce Weber yeah. and Chris. So I, I forgot the other coach's name. Uh, it was it was they had Matt Painter actually first, yeah. then they had Bruce Weber, and then shitty Chris Lowry. So wow. I was there for the Lowry years when they didn't make anything. So I got there in 09, and they just stopped with everything in 07. So I wasn't able to do anything. Damn. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Amazing. I love it. I yeah. Love it. I mean, I'm a D3 legend here, so it's all good. You know, yeah. it is what it is. So actually, Herb, your uh, your hometown college was our big college rival. Were you so, North, North Central? Where you go? Uh, North Park. North Park. Yeah. 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 Northwest I, side of Chicago. So I, I visited that school in uh like the spring, the fall of 95 because they division three football. I was in that realm i ended up going to carroll college which is now carroll university oh okay did, i didn't play football there at all i went to one practice like kind of tweaked my hamstring and i was like i'm good i don't need to do this ever again i'm already <laughs> in school they're not gonna kick me out i'm not on scholarship because we don't scholarships right. in division three so yep. i'm chilling here but yeah uh, north park their campus is beautiful but I, they're like we suck at football, but look at our basketball trophies. We're good at basketball. I'm like, I'm not here for basketball. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, they had 89 straight conference losses, and they broke that streak my freshman year of college. 89 straight. Imagine losing 89 straight conference games. It, it, it kind of sounds like the White Sox in the AL Central, to be honest I mean, with they, you. They are in the CCIW, which is the toughest conference. I mean, you got the Wheaton Thunder. You got the North Central team that's winning national championships, and tough everywhere you go so 89 is a little extreme but you know it's not out of the realm of possibility especially when i i people like myself who are division i mean like division three prototypes say no nah, i'm not going to north north park if but unless they're the only team giving me a chance here that's kind of why they're not building anything up there in north park because the campus is beautiful football yeah. fields are right but you're in chicago in the north side of chicago on foster avenue it's all good yep yep Great place. Uh, have my regrets and my memories. I'll say that. <laughs> um, <laughs> speaking of regrets and memories, is that all we have as White Sox fans right now? Absolutely. <laughs> Herb, I know, you can, I know you'll probably agree too. <laughs> it's sad. It's like I was just saying before the show, like even the most died in the wool. I'm a Die Sox white fan, White Sox fan that never can see faults with them is not feeling good right now. Maybe looking forward to the season because this is the ritual. They have the pitchers and catchers reporting. It's good. But, of course, it's distracted by one subject and one subject only. And that one subject 
doesn't know why he's that one subject to not only the alleged crimes that he did. Let's put that to the side for a second. You come to spring training of a new team. You hold court with your new team teammates, and then you are willing to speak in front of the media and you know what they want you to speak about. And then in the middle of it, you're saying, yeah, uh, here, talk baseball, baseball questions, baseball questions. No one's here for baseball questions. There's national press there. They're not there for White Sox 2023 season <laughs> preview on opening pitchers and catchers day reporting. Yeah, They're there for you. You're the story. A regular team, Major League Baseball, if they had a regular league, they would have already had administrative leave for this guy. They would have not had this big blow up that happened on Wednesday in, uh, was it Wednesday? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Down there in uh, Arizona. They wouldn't do that. They would put this guy on administrative leave already. I don't know what's taking so long, but this is taking way too long for my liking. Um, But the White Sox and MLB decide he's going to speak on the first day and he thinks they want to ask him baseball questions. So, this is all like very frustrating to me, like why he wanted to speak, why the White Sox allowed him to speak. Um, why Rick Hahn said that he was fine with Mike Clevenger lying by omission. By so, not telling him he was under investigation. Like none of these things are jibing with me and I know right. they're not jibing with you guys. And I want to be positive. I, I mean, I'll get to the rest of the stuff. I want to be positive about this team because it's none of the players' fault what Mike Clevenger did or is accused of doing, but we're talking about him. Today, I mean, yesterday we talked about it on our show. Today we ended our show talking about it. I don't know if it's going to be a thing on next week. Hopefully it's not. There's a resolution, I hope, where he's not on the White Sox anymore. That will be great. But I guarantee we're going to be talking about him and his alleged crimes and his things that off the field instead of him on the field on our show. And that's what's going to be, you know, selling this whole spring training down. We're going to be very sad until there's resolution. And I wish the White Sox had more fortitude, better due diligence to have this situation not come to where it's at right now. Yeah. And her, you know, a couple things you just said there stuck out to me as well when they were talking why would people want to be talking to you about baseball? You're a fifth starter on a non-playoff team. So one, like, like fuck you, you know, like right away. Like, we're not here to talk to you about baseball. That's how you just know this guy's a schmuck, right? But the second thing that really bothered me about Rick Hahn that you, you know, also alluded to was he brought up maturity issues. This man is my age. He is 32 years old. I know now when I'm, like, mature, not mature, and, like, you know, you, you know by now, you're a grown-ass man, you know? This guy's had plenty of issues, and they're in the same division. Something happened in the same city, you know? So it's like, don't blow smoke up our ass, Rick. You know, like, we all know what you were doing. Just come out and just be the piece of shit you are. That's what I said. I tweeted it. Just be the piece of shit you know you are, and just, just play the villain. We're okay with that, you know? Don't try to be this lawyer you know this try to like you know downgrade this and and then the last thing rick said and i and i want you to comment on this too herb is he said something that really bothered me and he said fans trust 
right? The getting the fans trust back is solely dictated by play on the field. What the hell is that? Like what? No, it's, bull, it's bullshit. Warrior speak is what it is, and and Just I know trash I, and. And you yeah. said it, Kerry, like he if he told me the truth that he's a bad person and he was a terrible GM, I mean, I don't know if he's a bad person, but I know he's a, not a good t- GM. So yeah. if you just or, or embrace the villain role, I'd be like, hey, man, at least you're saying it. You're mm-hmm. not you're telling me the truth because there's a lot of lies that go on in that in that team and him in in particular. So, yeah, he said he had a lot to prove. And, yeah, the, that garbage answer to, about the fans and winning baseball games, it doesn't cure all. Nope. Like if Mike Clevenger's out here dealing and we have credible proof that he did something to his wife or his uh, baby's mama and his baby, I'm not going to feel good about that. Yeah. That's no. what I'm thinking about the whole damn time. And they're making me think about this because they signed this guy because they didn't do their goddamn job. So yeah, it's bad. And mm-hmm. there's no accountability. We know that. So we have to just live with it or go away. So, and then, you know, have white Sox fans like, yeah, you don't like the white Sox. You can just leave, or you don't like what they're doing. You can just go. It's like, no. Same thing with America. You love it. You love the White Sox. You were here before the people who are here right now started being White Sox affiliated. Mm -hmm. And you don't want what you love and what you established, as I said, 1990. Started liking the White Sox. You don't want that to go away. You put too much time, effort, love, care into it. And so... I feel like it's your duty if you love something that what that much when that thing is messing up, those people are stepping away. You need to correct them. You need to say, this is the standard. This is the standard I set for you. This is the standard that you actually set for us and said multiple championships. And you're not listening. You're not even coming close to that. Mm-hmm. We're not competing for multiple championships. So I need to have the standard established and never waiting, but like, you know, never say, Hey, they're doing fine for what they are. They're a low spending team. No, it was a championship competing for multiple championships was the edict. And we believed you, we gave you that Rick Hahn. Mm-hmm. We gave it to you. You know, you didn't deserve it at the time. You wouldn't do anything to deserve it. in the four mm-hmm. years you were on the job before that. So we gave it to you because we believed you had faith, and you did good moves. You did good stuff, but you didn't finish it. You haven't finished it. So I hold them to that standard. And so I can criticize them because I love them, and I love the team, and I love how we can all go to the game. And people I don't know, like Gabe, Billy Wires, I met through this. I've seen Beer Garden Jim on Twitter, all these people, you two. Mm-hmm. I've met you through this team, and they're good people. White Sox fans are good people. And so all I feel is like we're all so angry at this thing. And we're going through a whole thing in 2022. It's like we know our manager's shitty. We know our team's shitty. We know our organization's shitty. But we're still here. We're yeah. going to be still here. That's what tells me that I made the right choice, even though I cussed that 12-year-old out all the time, to be a White Sox <laughs> fan because the people who are affiliated as White Sox fans are – some of the best people. This is a diehard fandom. Like, there's no better fandom. And I'm not just saying it because I'm part of it. Look what we go through, and we're still fucking here. Yeah. We're going to be here. We might not attend the games as much, but I guarantee we're going to be watching every one of them 
and we're going to be thinking that the White Sox can win the division this year. All that, uh, you know, all that stuff's going to go on, even though we're pissed at our team. So it's a long-winded answer to say, you know, I'm not going anywhere. And if I get pissed at them, doesn't mean that I'm not them. I'm not for them. I want them to win. It makes my job better. It makes my life better. Yeah. So yeah. that's, that's I can't, what I got to say. I can't tell if that was an inspirational speech or it was both. That was amazing. Or if that was like a cry for help. But, mean, it's, probably, but it's true. Both. <laughs> Herb, you brought up something. The integrity of this ball club, right? Like, and, and, and the integrity of this front office. There is none, right? I mean, like, you have a guy like Jerry Reinsdorf who refuses to hire someone like an AJ Hinch because he cheated. Yeah, it was, it was very messed up that they cheated. But then you go and hire Tony La Russa after you knew what he did. And then you have a Mike Clevenger like, don't talk to us about integrity or, you know, morals when you clearly have none. Right. So yeah, I, I, and that's, that's what bothers me is because I love this team so much, like you said, right. I mean, like I grew up in Buffalo Grove with all Cub fans around me as the only Sox fan. So I learned to love them even more because of that. And all this shit now is just like so upsetting. So it's like, you know, it's, it's hard and I want to be talking about baseball, but instead we're talking about, a shitty front office, a shitty owner with no morals, and they pretend like they have a bunch, and that they pretend like they are some, you know, amazing. They're, they think they're the Yankees when they're not. Well, I love Carrie. You brought up the owner, so, so I, I, I got to go down that route. Yeah, the owner. Yeah. Do you think the cheap Jerry narrative or Jerry's fucking everything up narrative is is getting too old? Do you want me to answer that for, first? Game? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I always say this because it happened. The Jerry's been the same owner, like literally same playbook the whole time. He hasn't changed. And I know that's hard to do stuff under, especially nowadays where people are spending a pretty substantial amount of money. Padres, Mets, other teams, Phillies. And so it's like there's one GM that has moved through that and for whatever his faults are, and he's still here, Kenny Williams won under Jerry Reinsdorf. He got everything that is October 26, 2005. It's still the the best day of my life Mm -hmm. to this day because of Kenny Williams and what he did with the 2005 team and the rest of the players. So he was successful, got to the playoffs, I think, what, two times out of his three, I don't know, th- three times out of his 10 years, yeah, 10 plus years, mm-hmm. and won us a championship. Now, whatever Rick is, people always give him the excuse of, well, Kenny's above him and he knows his owner sucks. I was like, I got it, but Kenny got it done under these stipulations, mm-hmm. under this pressure. You have it. What's going on? So that's why we call him Teflon Rick initially. And then Beef Flow's like Teflon Han. I was like, fuck, it was right there. I messed it up. It's Teflon Han. That's where the name comes up because he barely gets it. He barely gets any criticism. I know Carrie and I probably put a lot in there, the majority of it initially. And I'm glad that other people are getting it too. And I don't mm-hmm. want to shit on the person because I don't know the person. But the GM is bad. Yeah. He's been bad in his job. Like, objectively. 
No one would say Rick Hahn has done great at his job. No. So at and least I would have. say he's unfair. I would say he's done bad. And so I don't want to disparage the person. The GM is bad, and I think that he doesn't get the right amount of criticism, of derision thrown his way, and hence Teflon Hahn just is slides it, off him. Yeah. Is, it, is he the – is he the real scapegoat? Is Rick Hahn the real? Like, if you're dependent on one person only, I know it's multiple people, but if you're just dependent on one person only, one and one only, is your choice Rick Hahn, Herb? To blame for this current thing? Yeah. Yeah. Just, well, I, I mean, well, one yeah. I mean, like, just the disaster that is. Yeah. I would say Rick Hahn is the central figure. Of my blame. That's I Jerry's Jerry. He knew it when he took the job. He had worked under mm -hmm. Jerry before that. He knew it wasn't changing no matter how much he asked him. I mean, he could say, I've actually changed him. He's got the highest payroll we've ever had in 2022 or whatever. Blah blah blah. So I did change well, him. Like he didn't. You really didn't. And nothing's changed about the organization. Like, it's the same. It's the sameness everywhere. That's why they're 81 and 81, because they're the definition of mediocre. And that's maybe what Jerry wants, as we heard with the David Sampson quote. And you mm -hmm. could take his opinion with Can a grain of salt. And, you know, I don't know if you believe him. He said it. I mean, that's what David Sampson said, too, about Jerry Reinsdorf. He's been the same, but Rick Hahn has to operate under those parameters. It might be tough, but we see teams that with – Fewer payroll, do better. Tampa Bay Rays every year. Make a really Cleveland Guardians right in our goddamn division mm -hmm. every Amazing. year. Yeah. Every year. So there's no excuses. Let's go. He needs to step his game up. And and I don't think, you know, Rick Hahn did himself any favors by talking about parades, talking about how money's no. going to be spent. Right. And just the way he defends in that Q&A he did with um, NBC guys when he was asking people their Twitter accounts and stuff like that. He's done himself no favors. So that's why I don't think he gets any more of the benefit of the doubt either, because like like you've royally screwed up in every aspect. Like you couldn't you couldn't get the top pitcher in Wheeler. You couldn't get Machado. Like you knew what these guys <laughs> wanted. Wheeler hurts not as much because they actually I heard they actually outbid for them for Wheeler. But like you knew what Manny Machado wanted and I hate to keep on harping on him, but like that's where I think stuff kind of like took a downfall. Cause you're like, shit, we were trying to get this guy that was going to be the face of the franchise. Yeah. And we, we, we fucked around and we found out. So mm -hmm. that's what happened. So he didn't, he didn't get it done. Plain and simple. Yeah. Woof. that's a note to think about right there. Um, Let's let's talk about the White Sox and, and this division that they're in. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Zips and Pakoda are the two big projections that have come out so far, mm -hmm. and they both have the White Sox as a losing team. Herb, mm -hmm. you think that's true? Are they an under eighty-one win team this year? On one hand, you could say, yeah, of course they are. They lost their best player. Replaceable with a decent player, but not the player. Didn't make up for the player. Um, they lost a pretty good pitcher. Thought they replaced the pitcher, but maybe, maybe not. 
even if they did replace the actual position, is he going to pitch to that level that Johnny Cueto did? And I'm talking about Mike Clevenger. And, you know, I, my heart of hurts, he's going to pitch for the White Sox. Like, I don't want him to. He's going to pitch. I didn't want, I didn't think he was going to make spring training, but he's going to pitch for the White Sox. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be disgusting. So, yeah, I could see an under 500 team easily because they have a lot of things. And I didn't even name the closer with non Hodgkin's lymphoma. Now and he's battling that and you the uncertainty and I don't even care about the player necessarily I care about the person so mm-hmm. I'm just you know cashing this year for Liam Hendricks if he comes back that's a that's a bonus so I'm not expecting him that team didn't improve but on the other hand you can be the optimist and saying you lost that guy who you think set the culture back. Set the team back, set the t- set the clubhouse back in years with Tony Russa. Like his whole thing, his vibe, his indecision, in-game decisions, all the stuff was all the things the White Sox fans feared when he was hired in October in 2020. It came to, to life. Now he's gone. Now he's not your manager anymore. And some would say de facto GM because, you know, he had the second most power on the team. Yeah. That guy's gone. And from there is just addition by subtraction. You get a um, major league rookie that's going to be replacement level or better. By But looking at the disparity between him and Tony, it's going to be massive. You know, there might be games, 10 plus games that you win more because Tony lost him. And yeah. this guy's just doing by the book stuff or more analytically based things to put people in the best position to win. Mm-hmm. And so you could say improvement by addition, by subtraction, and the manager actually knows what he's doing. It's going to put the players in great position. And you could say, okay, fluke season. 2022 was a fluke for everybody. Everybody pitched poorly. Everybody, I mean, not everybody pitched poorly. Everybody hit poorly for the most part. Most part, some of the bullpen guys blew up. Joe Kelly, 6 ERA. But a FIP of three, three, so unlucky as hell. That guy could be back to being regular nasty Joe Kelly. You can get Kendall Graveman as the closer, or Raylo as the closer. You get maybe a full season of Aaron Bummer. Bullpen looks good. Garrett Crochet and comes back. Garrett Crochet comes back in May. You have a lot of bullets there. Then starting rotation one through four, if healthy, those four right-handers, solid, really mm-hmm. solid. And you're looking for the walk year of Lucas Giolito, and you're like, okay, he needs to make money as the White Sox reportedly offered him something, be rejected, and now he's looking to break off and get some real good good cash for his second contract. And remember, when Mike Rizzo was playing hardball with him as a guy coming out of high school, Lucas was like, no, I'm good. I'm going to go to UCLA if you guys don't want to give me my money, money I request. And we'll be good. And then Mike Rizzo budged and mm-hmm. signed him to the deal that he wanted. So him and his agency, they played hard. They they don't settle for anything. So I'm sure with all the stuff that went on with him last year, with the COVID, the injuries, all the stuff, he's healed from those things, had a good full offseason with our guy, <clears throat> excuse me, Ethan Katz, and he's seen progression. And I'm thinking the change up in the fastball disparity could be back up to a good, what, 
10, 15 miles mm-hmm. above each other. And if he's back to being healthy and is walkier, he's going to come out and maybe be top of the rotation, Lucas. You can think of these things because they've happened before. Lucas Giolito was the worst pitcher in baseball in 2018. I didn't say it right. Like my mind. Lucas Giolito, worst <laughs> pitcher in baseball. <laughs> yeah. That's why I And laughed. he came back in 2019. He was filthy. Yeah. And as yeah. Gabe brings up, Mankata can go back to 2019. You can have a full healthy season of Aloy Jimenez of his rookie season in 2019 where he hit a bunch of home runs. If he's only playing 120 games, I'm not happy, but that's much more than he's played lately. So, And if he's getting 30 home runs or 31 home runs like he did that year, I'm not 100% happy, but I'm, I'm, I'm content with that production because I know for the most part Aloy is injury prone. Keeping him off the field is my main goal because I think that you know, to, uh, you know, have him out there with more obstacles, even though I don't think he's a bad left fielder, I didn't know he'd be a terrible right fielder and get himself hurt somehow. You want to limit the chances he can get hurt because he got hurt celebrating a no-hitter. He got hurt rounding third base. He got hurt running to first base. He got hurt trying to rob a preseason home run that was 15 rows deep. You know, he gets hurt because he's not smart. Got hurt because he ran into into somebody else. To the left, like wall, he, left wall, right? I was yeah, there. Like the baseball IQ like was low on on when to do things, and then extra injuries happen to him sometimes. Sometimes they're you know not his fault at all. Sometimes he's putting himself in harm's way. And if you can limit that, you're good. So there's ways you can get back. Tim can play all his games and be back to Tim. Luis Robert can be the MVP candidate we all thought he was last year. There's so many things. Andrew Vaughn and our, my guy Sean Anderson, who co-hosts with me on CHGO White Sox. He is bullish. Is bullish or bearish? Bullish. The type. He's bullish on Andrew Vaughn. He thinks he's going to be a stud hitter this year. His, right his progression is going to go so high. So nice. all these things have, can happen, and the White Sox can do their thing. I didn't even t- talk about Andrew Benintendi. He's going to be good. Like yeah. I'm excited about that one signing. Even though it's not a great, you know, in a vacuum, it's great, you know, a signing, but for the White Sox to have this as your biggest signing in history, it's embarrassing. But it's not Andrew Penitendi's fault. He's going to be a solid player. I think he's going to contribute well to this team. And I don't know what Oscar Carlos is going to do, but they're hyped about him. So I guess I got to be hyped about him too. You know, they I can talk myself into thinking they can win 90 games. That's like a on 2005, everybody plays well. Everybody yeah. doesn't get injured. Everybody pitches well. The manager's crisp. And the fans are on point, on point in the cheering. Everything's working out. That I could see them doing that season. All those things can happen. And Yasmani Grandel could return to being healthy. Not with the knee and back problems that he had the last couple of years. These things can happen. And there's a lot of ifs, though. This is why Rick Hahn had a bad offseason. Because too many yep. ifs. Like, everything has to go well for them to get to 90 games. Yeah, everything. Yeah, everything. Like every single thing has to go well. And that's very, very hard. You didn't even mention their star second baseman, Romy Gonzalez. They've been hyping that last week. So, I mean, like that too, you know? I mean, that's such a – you could tell that's just, you know, them hyping them up. Every every single person is just them trying to sell us that Romy is the person, you know? And it's it's really sad because he's not – He's not a good player. He's I mean, not him. He, he, no. Negative war 
player in 30 games and people are like, it's only 30 games. I'm like, well, data showing in those 30 games, he was horrible. And if he played another 30 games, he might be even worse. So, yep. Yep. That's what, I mean, there's a, there's a reason why we don't know if he's the guy, but we're thinking he's the guy because they're putting him in promos. But we can have a mediocre spring and somebody like uh, Lenny Sosa comes out and he's slugging. And they I say, you know what? Lenny Sosa's the guy instead of mm-hmm. Romy Gonzalez. He's not right. Or he can be a White Sox and get hurt in spring training. <laughs> right. You know, it's there's a lot of stuff. I hope Romy is the guy that they think he is and having people, as uh, Vinny was told uh, by Rick Hahn, that one of um, the scouts was down watching Romy that. Gonzalez, and he came back to Rick and said, you cannot trade him. <laughs> and it's like, what did he do? Uh, what did he do God. in the cages? Like, what do you do against people who are not playing in the major leagues? What do you, what do you, what do, you do off the cage? What do you, like, you, what you made you to say you that? You can't trade him. Yeah. Wow. Remember, remember the Red Sox traded Mookie Betts. Yes. That's a guy that you cannot trade. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Not yeah. Unbelievable. Just yeah. And I don't know what, what, what had like Rick relay that story. Like that's setting Romy Gonzalez up for yes. having the best year of all time as a second baseman, like having a, ass-kickingly great bet, great second base season or just you know having decent numbers like he would have in any old season and being a disappointment because you're sharing the story you're saying that this hook is going to be the shit because if i can't trade him that means he's just out here and he's going to do our team much better being on the club and then trading him away this that's what i'm getting so that's it's a that's not it's not a good story to just share with your team about somebody who you're not a hundred percent on no. I, tell, somebody tell me if Romy Gonzalez is good at be- baseball like major league baseball at second base you think he can carry a season where you're not disappointed then I'm signing up I'm not against the guy but I don't know no one knows and tell that story it's just like oh god it's a lot of pressure on the kid and you got already got a rookie in right field. That's a lot of pressure on him too. That's what I'm saying. Like, there's so many ifs already with the veterans. Then you're gonna, then you're gonna rely on two more big ifs with Colas, who is a top hundred prospect. So it's like, okay, maybe there's a little less risk, and you know he's a little older. He might be okay, but like, second base, there's just a big, big question mark, and it's very sad. And and it's like, you know, for me, I, I tweeted, I was like, this is just gonna be the White Sox hyping up a player. Just like this has happened before with many guys, and then they get sent down by like June, and then they, and then they don't say anything about it. You know, it, it, that's what it's going to be. And then scrambling for a second baseman at the day at the deadline. So, I'm just glad they haven't picked up any former Philly uh, prospect, former like uh, Nick Williams or Adam <laughs> oh, Purple oh. Hazley. It's like, oh. is Mickey Moniak available somewhere? <laughs> honestly, honestly, yeah. no. That's- I uh, yeah it. it I just can't I'm so I don't even know where I'm going with this. I, I just can't wrap my mind around the faith in guys who are totally unproven. Guys who have never shown it on a major league level. See it, it, it it's obscure. I, I, I it's asinine. It really is. It's truly asinine. Now okay, can I talk this? Yes. Now can I talk about I made a tweet a few days ago about, about payroll. Mm-hmm. And actually, it was literally yesterday. And I said, the Cubs right now have a current total payroll that is higher 
than the White Sox. Mm. I mean, like, what? What? Like, and that's where I I push blame back onto Jerry, too. Why? You're right. They currently, I mean, yes, the Cubs are eating the Jason Hayward contract, but that act that that current pay or total payroll, not active, but total payroll, is smaller than the Cubs, who are technically in a rebuild. Like Jerry lost all faith in one year, in twenty twenty two. He said, "What? He lost money. That's what it was. So he's got to recoup that." It's crazy. Not spending it probably. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking at it now. It, the fact that the Angels have spent more and the Rangers, you know, like the Giants, teams that are not really like com- competing. Like that makes the, what the White Sox the 13th or 14th ranked team. The 13th, so the 13th right around average, which is what this franchise is, right? Average. In a window. In a window. Yeah, yeah right? in a window. <laughs> that's a that's insane, mind you. This is also, it's not like Liam Hendricks fell off the books. You're paying Liam Hendricks still for an entire year. Yeah, yeah. and it's like... And Clevenger. You, there's people yeah, yeah. available, were available for good deals. Deals that you were like, it, they were Jerry-esque deals where they're undervalued and undermoneyed and first year where it's very low money. Like, Clevenger's $8 million this year, even though he can get to twelve. Same thing with Andrew Benintendi. Those are good, I mean, the... Andrew Benintendi was a great signing. The, the Clevenger, I questioned at the time, was terrible. But Michael Walker just signed the weird-ass contract with the uh-huh. Padres. Like, he was very affordable. They could have him from either one or four years on this contract. It's a very odd contract, but it's creative. It's doing something with the player that had a good year last year. Yep. That it would have been smarter to have him on the team no matter what. And the Padres showed you that didn't have interest in Mike Clevenger. And went out and got Mike Waka. Padres are having a fantastic offseason. Now, is it going to turn into winning a, a World Series? I don't know. But they put themselves in position where no fan who's a Padre fan can be disappointed with what they've done. they got to be elated. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the Mets fans, Phillies fans, Yankees fans. It goes around. And I would even, even Cub fans have to be elated with what they've done. I, I think they had a pretty good damn offseason adding uh, – uh, Trey Mancini, adding Dansby Swanson, Cody Bellinger. All these people are, you know, maybe they can bounce back to their glory days, but Cody Bellinger's 27. Like, yeah. he's not yet old. He can easily do that in his, in his prime. Or he could just be bad, and they just can let themselves go of him. Mm-hmm. Eric Hosmer is going to be bad, but he's just a placeholder for yeah. a, right. somebody later on. The White yeah, Sox didn't do that. The White Sox like... have deals they could have been made there with some of those players with the Cubs signed and they wouldn't have been broke the bank. And I think White Sox fans as a whole would have been much more satisfied getting somebody on the team where you're just like, okay, we're not putting all this pressure on this rookie in right field, not putting all this pressure on the second baseman, which we've had these two problems constantly, constantly this window and 25 year old right fielders. We've heard of before. Norman Mazzara was a 25 year old right, right fielder. I'm sorry to compare wow. the two, wow. but Rick said he was 25 years old and this motherfucker is going to take off. I know it was only 60 games. He hit one home run off of Trevor yeah. Bauer, but one oh, home wow. run. <laughs> That's it. And so, yeah, we've had many problems with this team. And I think, yeah, Jerry is a problem, but Rick is the problem. And Kenny's the problem for not convincing him to spend money, yeah. to not showing him the way 
to get to the next level. And I know he might probably be dissuaded from them because of how the last couple of years turned out. But that was your fault too, Jerry. You hired that Tony LaRusa dude and that, that dude more messed up this whole thing than those two. But give them some, like they got to have some some negotiation skills as a lawyer Rick Hahn is to have Jerry realize that spending money is the way of life now. And if you're not in it to spend money, then we would need more money for developmental. We need more coaching staffs. We need more analytical department type of thing. You need to go either or, or a combination of both in a perfect world, but they didn't do either. Yeah. A couple more analytic people, but it's not like it's going to turn into pay dirt later on. We got two people, maybe three people in the top hundred prospects. Colton, Colton, Colton Montgomery sounds like a champion. Sounds like he's going to be a, a stud. Yeah. I don't know about Oscar Colas. Some people love him. Some people don't even have him in the top 100 as a 25-year-old guy who spent time in Cuba and Japan and then one year in America. Some people don't like him. Chase rate, the strikeout percentage over 20%, and the walk rate lower than six. Some people don't like him. I can understand that. And then some people have Ramos in their top 100 too. So yeah. it's not fruitful down there in the minor leagues. And they've been there for at least 10 seasons now. What's happening, Rickon? Why are you doing this? Why is why is this not better? If we're gonna be a team that does spend a lot of money, we better be a team that develops like a motherfucker. And we're not the two. So we're in baseball purgatory, eighty-one and eighty-one. Yep. So that would, your prediction for next year, if I can ask you, eighty-one, eighty-one. Um. Look, I'm just gonna be positive and say everything is gonna work out for the White Sox, hundred percent. Like they're gonna have some setbacks and everything's gonna work out. I'm gonna go with positivity and say they're gonna win 86 games. Yep. Yep. Okay, that's so where you I'm take at. the Vegas so, over. Yes. Because I, I think last time I saw the Vegas, it was 85 and a half. Was it 85 or 83? Or no, is it down to 83 now? I think I saw something 83, but I don't wow. know. Wow. It's lowering. So I, yeah, what do you guys think? Steve, eighty-four wins. More optimism than me, yeah. Eighty-four. I just think that there's no way that this entire team is as bad as they were last year. There's no freaking way. Uh, I'm, I I've never seen a catcher age that quickly. If that's the case with Yasmani Grandal, right? Um, or at least have a drop off that quick, right? Maybe they've aged at that age, but they've never had a drop off like that so quickly. Um, I'm going Moncada as a former number one prospect of baseball. Like we got to tap into that in some way, shape or form, right? We know what we're getting with Tim Anderson. I think as long as he stays healthy, right? And this is the healthy cap in it, you know, stay healthy. Kenny Williams, Rick on White Sox way. Um, I think Andrew Bavon's going to be a fucking beast this year. I think if Luis continues to grow into his body and two wrists this year, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, like it, it, Luis Robert playing for 160 games is the MVP candidate. Um, and I mean, Aloy, even rookie numbers, shit. I mean, if he's putting that up throughout an entire season, um, Ben Intendi going to be a great addition. Guy who doesn't strike out a lot gets on base at a very good clip. 
I'm optimistic. The bullpen's fantastic too. I I, I really eighty four wins. I'm gonna. It's tough for me. I I honestly think they're gonna win. Like I think they're gonna be eighty two and eighty. I think they're one game better potentially, um, and I think you know worst case scenario they are gonna be around the seventy five win mark. Um, I just think. And I hope I'm wrong. I hope they prove me wrong and they win 90 games, you know. And 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 it's in like in White Sox fashion, it's gonna happen like that. They're gonna just like you know just say like f you to all of us, right? That are projecting this, but there's too many ifs. Like her has brought up already, too many ifs with veterans. Then you're relying on rookies, and you already have an issue with your clubhouse with your best closer out and a guy that's such a scumbag, you know, in Clevenger who's in that clubhouse. I just and a rookie manager like a lot of that colliding at the same time really scares mm. the shit out of me. Eighty two, maybe eighty three. I don't see the playoffs. So. Don't see the playoffs. So Herb, any chance you're you are you saying they're a division winner with that number? Or are they a wild card team? No, I think that the Cleveland Guardians are going to come down a little bit because firstly they don't play as many games in the division, especially versus the White Sox this year because. Mm-hmm. We've pared down, I think, 12 games per division opponent because you're playing every team in the league now this year, which is great. I wish they could actually expand that and yeah. make it more equitable where you're playing teams about the same amount of times around the league because mm-hmm. I don't care about playing the Guardians, the Twins, the Royals, or the Tigers. I don't care about winning the Central Division. Divisions are dumb. It should just be best, best 14 teams yeah. in the playoffs. Go. Play. Yeah. Um sure. But um, I think they're going to come down. The Guardians are going to come down from their lofty 90-plus uh, wins they had last year, and there were some driven by hatred of the White Sox and White Sox fans and making fun of White Sox fans or celebrating. It's like, you know, sell the team, fuck, fuck the White Sox, you know, uh, fire Tony in their celebrations. You know, they're, they're egged on by the, by the White Sox and their fans and how they – they were doing things. Even them, social media got on uh, NBC Sports Chicago with their meme of uh, Will Smith at uh, Fresh wow. Prince of Bel Air at the empty living room. It's like where the and the, where where are the rest of the teams in the Central gonna you know, yeah, gonna come here? Awful, so terrible. And so I don't know if the Cleveland Guardians thought that was the actual White Sox Twitter singing that out, but they felt they, they acted like the White Sox were their nemesis when they're celebrating their championship. I don't think those guys are gonna be as good as they were. Yeah. They were doing everything perfectly. Josh Naylor having the best year. You know, Ramirez is Ramirez, and the two guys up the middle are great short, uh, shortstop and uh, second base yeah, with Rosario and Jimenez, but I don't think they're still going to be this level. They're both over four war players last year, and some of that was provided by their hit, and their, Jimenez is a stud. I think they got better a little bit this year. You know, getting Josh Bell will improve them, but I don't think they were as good as they were last year, so – they'll actually come back down and wins. So yeah, I think it's going to be a dog race. I think they're probably going to call them like 85 or 86 wins themselves. And maybe the White Sox win on a tiebreaker because they won seven of the 12 games type of thing. So yeah, I think the White Sox have a chance to win the division. That's, that's why it's so frustrating because I can see the White Sox thinking in their process in this offseason. we only need to fix a couple things and maybe I don't believe it, because there's a lot of ifs as we spoke about, but maybe they do. Maybe they say like I do that 2022 was a fluke, 
and everybody's going to be healthy and everybody's going to be great next year. It's foolhardy to think that way, especially if you're a general manager of a baseball team, but I can see them doing that and counting on all these lucky things to happen to this baseball team that haven't happened to this baseball team in a long time. I can see that process. And that's why they only went out and get two players on the free agent market. And then a bunch of minor league signings. I could see them saying that. So their process is not flawed in their own minds. And they think the results are going to be favorable. I would have went with, you know, actually fortifying the team, getting actual players like Conforto in right field. Like I mentioned before, Trey Mancini in right field, somebody else, a veteran in right field, letting Oscar Colas go to the minors and spend another year in America. He's only been one year in America. Um, great year, but only one year. 500 played appearances. Aloy had over 1,500 before he made the majors. Same thing with Luis Roberts, about 1,000. Tim, about 1,700. The only one that's close to what um, Colas is is Andrew Vaughn because he skipped a whole couple levels because of the pandemic. It was a weird situation. But send him back down for 500 more played appearances until he forces his way up here and or the player that you sign doesn't doesn't do well. If it's a placeholder like Trey Mancini or if it's more of a four or five-year guy like Mike Conforto, who cares? You can have veteran leadership right there at a position you haven't had that and uh, pretty much a nice floor level you know we're going to get from that player. You know, two, three war, maybe up to five war if that player is what we project them to be type of thing. But they're putting so many eggs in the basket that is flawed. And that basket has holes in it. Yeah. And maybe something doesn't go through. That's what they're they're de- depending on. It's just walking across the, the whole pond and making sure everything doesn't go through. But there's a <laughs> bunch of alligators waiting for you, waiting to eat those eggs that they have in that basket. Absolutely. And one falls through, it falls through and keeps on falling through until the alligators get hungry and eat you too. So <laughs> it might be that. The White Sox are depending on that fucking wicker basket holding on. Until you get across this, until you get across to this whole regular season, and it's going to be weird <laughs> for them to do that. And I hope it comes true. And 86 win is what I'm predicting. And hopefully, it's kind of where it's at. And yeah. they find a way in the playoffs to overperform because remember, championships are what we're here for, not for yeah. getting to the playoffs, for competing in championships. The team is not championship caliber as constructed, but we've seen teams who are worse i would say or just of the same like the atlanta braves a couple years ago win a championship if if they somehow do that i would be surprised but i don't think it's the most outlandish thing to think of if this team can win a championship eventually but a lot of things everything has to go right everything has to go right for that to happen and that's not a good way to run a baseball team literally Everything, literally everything. And yeah, I'm, I hope they're right. Here's the thing. Like as a fan of the organization, God damn, I hope they're right because they, yeah. like you said, they're putting a lot of eggs in the basket of a lot of, uh, in the basket of unproven guys and, or and, guys that have shown blips, you know, on the radar and a flash in the pan experience of, of being great. Um, that's not what you build a championship squad around. That's what you build of like, if you're a rebuilding team, maybe that's something you do. Yeah. If, if, if you're a team that's a minor market team that isn't, you know, you're not contending for championships because your ownership's not spending money and you really don't care about your team. You know, that's one thing you do. Right. But 
I mean, you, you're literally a GM that said, unless you're just lying to us, right? Ask me after the parade. Or, <laughs> sorry, I had to say that one. Right. Uh, <laughs> he said it, man. That's, that's, why, we're, that's, why, we, that's why we hold to that standard. So, I guess we were lied to. Shit. Um, <laughs> yeah, and he, like you were saying, he used to refer, I think, at the Reggie's, Reggie's event, like, you know, there's White Sox fans that would prefer us to lose to be right about something. It's like, I don't want to be right about it all the time. Prove me wrong one time. I don't yep. care about being right. I'm right because I know you. I know what you're going to do. Prove me wrong, and I'll be the first person to say, hey, man. Hey, man, Rick, I called you all sorts of things, man. You're, But now I can call you a champion, and mm-hmm. you prove me right. If he does that, I will do that. But prove me, me wrong, though. Me too. You have it. So we don't want you to lose. We don't want you to be bad. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy yeah. for you now. You just like, like we made this happen. Like we didn't make that trade happen because we're talking about it on tr- on Twitter. Like all the stuff comes back to us. And there's, I've always said this. Like there's no fandom that hates their team more than White Sox fans. There's no team that hates their fans more than the White Sox. And it's a bad relationship, but we're in it. And we're in it to win it. So prove us wrong about what we've been saying. I know Kerry's been saying for years, like. He doesn't want to be talking about Rick Hahn. I don't want to be talking about Rick Hahn. I want to be talking about this goddamn team disappointing us all the time. Please just become. I don't know what we can become, and we'll be happy. Competent. The, the, the Cardinals. Be the Cardinals. Yeah. I know. I'm not it's not the, the the atmosphere, but be of them. How they compete all the time, and they never give up. And they don't necessarily sign big time players. They just go and acquire them via trade. Like Nolan Arenado or Paul Goldschmidt. Yeah, I don't want the culture. I want the winning. I want that. Be that. And if the White Sox were the Cardinals and that type of atmosphere of winning every once in a while and competing, be a White Sox fan. They would we would we would meld into the Cardinals fans. We would be those people. We would be the baseball police all of a sudden. Like <laughs> we would be so goddamn nice. Oh my god. And you could not talk about White Sox baseball. Like we do, because White Sox fans would would murder you, because we're winning so much. We believe in the culture. We would fight for it, and that's why I feel like Cardinal fans are like, you can't talk about our baseball team. We do things right. We compete every time. I don't like the people necessarily because they're, they're they think they're better than everybody. But hell, I would feel all better than everybody too if my baseball team was doing shit the right way. Put right. those in quotes, for sure. Or just act like a major market team in a major market city, you know. But you know, that's you, how, that's really give me one or the ask. other. Give me one or the other. Give me something. Give me competency or give me spending out your ass that you can't fuck up. Like one or the other. I saw a great co- uh, quote the other day about another Jerry team, the Bulls, which whole other God. Player. I think it was uh, Cowley. Joe Cowley said like, he's like, and once again, the mid-market uh, Bulls don't make any moves and they live in Chicago. You know, it's just like so amazing because he's just totally dragging them for acting like they're a small market team when they're in Chicago. And that, and, and Bulls fans go to the games blindly. Mm-hmm. They go, you oh, know, yeah. people go. It's not like our baseball teams, they go. So it's like going to a Bulls game is like going to Wrigley. Like it's one of those things. Like you're in yeah, Chicago you in the winter, you go. Like you have yeah. the money to go, you go. Like 100%. It just, 
that that's why I'm so fed up with that organization. I don't even want to go there. I'm already upset. I don't even want to go there. The White Sox. It's more depression. Don't need to throw the Bulls in there or the other team that plays at the UC. The wow. fact that I have most the most hope, Herb, of all of your Chicago sports teams that you love, who do you have the most hope in? The Bears. Yeah, by same. Far. <laughs> yeah, insane. Oh, After they just the had the worst record in the NFL. And oh, I man. know they were trying to do bad. We got but... that dude. Yeah, we do. And they're yeah, having that dude. And we got the other terrible GM to thank for. Appreciate you moving up, kid. But you couldn't yeah. stay. Peace. Deuces. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> mm-hmm. So... That's crazy that I have hope in a team that just went three and fourteen. But that happens. Look yeah, at the Bengals. So. Bengals got Jamar Chase and everything yeah, changed, but... and they went from like worst to best. So things can happen. We'll, we'll, we'll see. see if we'll see if polls can do it. Yeah, and don't I, if you're out there right. thinking that all these Jason Jason Lockham Flora and um with the, the the analyst alongside Mel Kuyper, uh, whatever his name is, McShay. Yeah, yeah Todd McShay. Yeah. Talking about they should trade and they're gonna trade uh, Justin Fields. Don't listen to that. I hope that's oh, the Bears spinning no, no. out like to garbage. those people. That's like Colin, Colin Cowherd's nonsense right there. Yeah, I think the hopefully it's the Bears sending these messages out through enemy enemy. Yeah, I can't say it, and uh, I can't through other people uh, yeah. to the leak yeah, yeah. to anonymity. I was in trying to say like to the the intermediaries. That's what I was trying to say. Uh, uh, intermediaries. To yeah, to leak the story out and to uh, have it, you know, more apple, you know, more appealing to have that trade, you know, have a trade up from Houston or the Colts to entice them to move up because hey, maybe we're taking C.J. Stroud, maybe we're taking, uh, not we're taking Jalen Carter, but we want to move down type of thing. That makes it more appealing if you're going to be trading Justin Fields. Yeah, and I know that they they need to have that word out there, and I hope that they're pushing that. But telling Justin in the private, hey, man, he ain't going to goddamn place. Yeah. You're our dude. You're the dude. We ain't picking no shorter version of you that ain't proven here. Bryce Young ain't you. No. You're yeah, you. No. And you're him. Exactly. So you're going to be our guy. And we're going to make these messages. Don't listen. Because we're having you and we're trading all these picks down and getting all the picks from everybody. I think the Texans, we're getting the Colts pick. And we're going to be trading for some wide receivers. So. Fingers crossed. I'm getting great next year. Seriously, so. I'm not like, gonna wonder. Sure, like the Bears make you feel good. That's it's a yeah. good it's a good uh, story. They I think they're gonna be um, maybe not compete next year for the the division, but who knows? Kirk Cousins sucks. Aaron Rodgers yeah. can be gone. His crazy ass and Lions. I think was a flashing pan. I don't think a knee knee biting dude is gonna win that much. Even though that story is a uh, very inspiring. Yeah, um, was a kneecap Biden dude, Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell. So, yeah. yeah, you never oh. heard about that, Steve? No, oh, no. Yes. When he first got hired, he uh, said you're going to be biting some kneecaps off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he was hokey coach speak, and Detroit Lions and their fans have eaten it up, and you know, done pretty well. Jared Goff had a pretty decent year. Amon St. Brown was much better than his bum ass brother Aquamanius. <laughs> oh yes. So, yeah, yeah. No, that, so. and I don't think that's going to be all good next year. So yeah, maybe the Bears can compete, but I wouldn't be expecting like you know Super Bowl or something no, like that. No. I'll be expecting like they were in most of these games. Now they just need a better line, hope- better line on both offense, defense, and then help on the outside for Justin yeah. Fields, and we're here. Best case is I hope they're the Jags next year. That's what I'm saying. 
Oh man, mm, I think that's like their peak. I think yeah, that's that's fine. That's, fine. that's the best they're get getting. The playoffs, and then you just go from there. If everything goes right, <laughs> <laughs> Herb, we usually do half an hour shows. Okay, this is an hour long. So thank you for sticking on with us and no talking talking White Sox so and other Chicago sports bullshit. We really appreciate you, man. Yeah, and no problem. We, I'm sorry we, for talking so long. I'm just that's my old no. lockdown days. And no, shout out to my it. guy Nick Nuranowski, who's doing a good job on lockdown the White yes, Sox right he now. Is. Yes, he is doing um, a show by yourself, Oof, friends. It's yeah, tough no, goal, and especially this team. Hell no! Like doing it, you two, just doing you, you know, two two people is really hard. I don't know how you guys do it. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's. I have it's, three, I have other two. I have two other people I can lean on. So it's it's hard, but it's you know, it's, I'm talking White Sox, so it's not hard. I'm not taking ditches. Absolutely, absolutely. And I'll be honest with you. Often weeks, it's the comment section that carries us. Um, yeah. So we're very grateful for the people that join us and and talk. White Sox baseball or literal other BS. Um, White Sox fans are the best. Yeah, honestly. Yeah, because some good people in there, too. I mean, of course, we had our bad apples. But for the most part, I've met White Sox fans are pretty good people and good people to talk to and good people like yourselves. Like talking to you guys and like meeting you at the ballpark and have an enjoyable time. Absolutely. Well, I don't know when you're getting out to games this year, Herb, but let us know, please. Um, I'll probably I'll be still be at the ballpark again. a ton. Oh, you're I going know. to Pittsburgh again this year. We are going early in the season. Me, me, Tanny, and I don't know if my guy B-Mech is going. Um, maybe Shane um, will okay. be going to Pittsburgh in that early series in April. Real cold, but I love that ballpark. And anytime I get a yeah. chance, Tanny's like, you want to go to Pittsburgh? I was like, stop. It's like, say no more. Say less, as the kids say. Oh, when I I'm, saw I you like, last Pittsburgh. time around in Pittsburgh, that was the best, man. Pittsburgh oh, was, a great was night. so much that that – First night there, the oh, it was, was only two games. Um, mm-hmm. that, that first right. night after the after the night the Sox blew it. Um, that was uh that was a fun night out afterwards. Yeah, it was. So very grateful for all the memories that we have together, Herb, and thank you for just being willing to give us your time and uh, just just come join us. We really really love that you took time out of your day to do this with no us. No problem. Thank you anytime, guys. I'm serious. Anytime you guys want me on, I got I'll be there for you. We appreciate you, Herb. Thank you so much. Well, it's been another episode of Believe in the South Side. Really, two episodes jammed into one, right, Carrie? Love it. I love it. If there's someone we're going to go over with, it's going to be Herb. So. A thousand percent. A thousand percent. This We have peaked here as a podcast. <laughs> have a good night, everybody. We'll see you around. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.